The reading is from Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7, the choosing of the seven. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were, not, were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Thank you, Pauline. Let's pray and ask for God's help. Heavenly Father, as we've been singing, so we pray, please would you shine your light, the light of your word, into our hearts, that we might see you, that we might understand your will, and that we might become obedient to it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is a picture of Klaus Fuchs, Klaus Fuchs. Uh, and to look at him, you would say he's a, looks a very harmless man. Um, and truth, the truth was, he lived in the 19, well, he was, he was significant for the 1940s. If you'd passed him in the street, um, you, you would probably nod and smile at him. He was harmless. Um, his manner, his build, his interests, nothing about him was in any way intimidating or threatening. He was good with kids, and his colleagues trusted him as a babysitter for them. And yet this man was a serious threat. He was a scientist working for the U.S. government and the U.K. government, um, working on atomic weapons uh, through the 1940s, and whilst working for these governments was passing huge amounts of high-grade information to the Soviets. And so the arms race was being escalated, and the threat of life on this planet was increased. He was an unlikely-looking threat. Well, this morning, we're going to be thinking about an unlikely-looking threat to the health and growth of the church. And if you've been with us, of course, in the last number of months, we've been working our way through the book of Acts, and we've seen a number of threats at different points. The threat of persecution from without, um, threatened to quash the church. The threat of corruption from within the church. Remember Ananias and Sapphira, which threatened to infect the church. Well, this morning, we're going to consider a third threat to the health and the growth 
of the church. But before we think about it, we need to uh, just consider three things about the church at this point in, in Acts. Firstly, we need to know, to understand this passage properly, that this was a caring church. Uh, you may remember from earlier in Acts how people were selling land and property, bringing the proceeds off it to the apostles' feet, and the apostles were distributing so that there was, there was no needy person among them. And here in Acts 6, we see what that distribution looked like. It looked like a daily distribution of food for widows, a kind of food bank, if you like, um, for, for widows who had no family support and who were too frail to work. So this church was a caring church. It was also a diverse church. We learn that uh, very quickly in these verses. There were Hellenistic Jews, Christians from a uh, Jewish background who were Hellenistic. That is, they were Greek-speaking. They were influenced by Greek culture and Greek thought. And then there were Hebraic Jews, again, Christians from a Jewish background who were Hebraic. That meant that they were Aramaic-speaking. They were, if you like, Jewish Jews. That was their background. So there was lots of cultural differences. This was a diverse church, and it would become even more diverse. And it was a growing church. Verse 1 tells us that the number of disciples was increasing. And, of course, that is a phrase that we've seen a number of times through the book of Acts so far. But as a result of these things, as a result of being a caring church, a diverse church, and a growing church, it was also in danger of becoming a divided church. The threat of division. Just have a look at verse 1. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. In other words, the Hebraic uh, widows were getting fed. The Hellenistic widows were going home hungry. We're not told why that was. Um, were the Hebraic Jewish widows given preferential treatment? Was the whole thing just poorly organized? Or maybe it was all just creaking under the sheer weight of numbers. We're not told why there was a problem, but that there was a problem. They were being overlooked, and it was causing tension and complaint and division. And so the apostles called the church together to address this issue. But at that meeting, as the apostles uh, welcome people and introduce this meeting, there's a big surprise. Because after welcoming everybody, they say, look, we're here this evening in order to discuss this threat of distraction. And everyone thinks, hold on a second. Did I hear that right? And some brave soul puts up their hand and says, I don't, I don't mean to be annoying, I just... You said we're here to discuss the threat of distraction. You, you mean the threat of division, right? And the apostles say, no, 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 the threat of distraction. Have a look at verse 2. This is the first thing that the apostles say at this meeting of the church. 
They say it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. In other words, the big threat here is the threat of distraction. The danger here, they say, is that we apostles get pulled in into sorting this issue out and get therefore distracted from the ministry of the Word of God and prayer. And they say that simply wouldn't, that, that, that's not simply less than ideal or unwise. They say that would not be right. It would not be right for us to do that. And so, verse 4, they resolve to keep giving their attention to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And I suppose the big question is why? Why are these apostles so adamant that they will not get involved with this threat of division? Why are they so reluctant to sort this dispute out themselves? Well, it's not because they think that this dispute, this division is beneath them, or that they're too important to sort it out, or that they don't want to get their hands dirty, or that it's petty and doesn't really need dealing with. No. Now, the reason that they refuse to get distracted by it is because they're convinced that God grows his church by his spirit through the ministry of the word of God and prayer. Let me just say that again, because I think that's really important. The apostles, they refuse to get involved here in personally sorting out this dispute because it would distract them from the ministry of the word of God and prayer which they understand is absolutely essential for the church to grow. God grows his church by his Holy Spirit through his word. And that has been the pattern in the book of Acts so far. So you just think back in in chapter 2. How does the church grow from 120 believers to 3,000 believers on the day of Pentecost? Answer, by God's Spirit, through His Word, as Peter preaches his Pentecost sermon. Or in chapter 3, how does the church grow from 3,120 to 5,000? Again, by God's Spirit, through his word, Peter's address to the crowd after the, the, the lame man is healed. Or you think about the Sanhedrin. What do they recognize as the driving, is driving the growth of the church? But the apostles teaching about Jesus, the gospel, the word of God. That's why they're so keen to clamp down on it. In chapter 4, how does God ensure that the church keeps growing despite the threat of persecution? by filling the disciples with his Holy Spirit such that they continue to speak the word of God boldly. Time and time again, you see it in Acts, God grows the church by his Holy Spirit through the ministry of his word and prayer. That's how God grows the church in size. It's also how he grows it in maturity. You see that later on in in, in Acts as Paul waves goodbye to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20. What does he say? I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance. The word of his grace, which can build you up. 
God grows the church by his spirit through the ministry of his word and prayer. Now, of course, um, if a church is, is going to grow, it also needs godly leaders and godly examples. It also needs mutual encouragement and accountability. God often uses hardship and trouble to grow his church too. I wouldn't want to deny any of those things at all. But what we're seeing here is that the key agent in growing the church is God's Holy Spirit who works through his word. That is why the apostles are so adamant that they must not be distracted from this ministry. So the threat of division, actually the threat of distraction, and yet it is avoided. What do the apostles do? How do they avoid these twin threats, division and perhaps even the greater threat of distraction? Well, verse 3 Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from, from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. Note that they, they advise the church not just to pick uh, the guy who's able to carry a whole load of bread or the person who's able to speak both Greek and Aramaic. I mean, those would be very useful skills to sort out this dispute. But first and foremost, these men need to be mature believers. They need to be wise and spirit-filled. Because, of course, their role won't simply be distributing food. They're going to be caring for the vulnerable among them and actually brokering peace within the church where there was the threat of division. And so the church appoints seven. Uh, two of them were going to meet again very soon, Stephen and Philip. And the apostles lay their hands on them and commission these seven for this role. Uh, some see here the, the very beginnings of the office of deacon. And I think that's fair. And certainly as we think and reflect as a church, we are indebted uh, to those who serve us as deacons. They serve in many, many ways. Uh, some of their work um, resembles what's going on here in Acts 6. Some of it, not at all. All of it, absolutely vital. And actually, without their ministry, um, the, the ministry of the church would very quickly grind to a halt. But of course, it's not just deacons who do this kind of work. Um, even as we reflect on this church, there are many who, without any formal title, uh, just get on with this type of thing, caring for brothers and sisters in need, uh, promoting peace and unity, brokering those things too. It's just what they do. And if that is you and you're, that is, that is an honorable thing. That is a very, very honorable thing. Your labor is often unseen, but it is so crucial it's uh, so important that in these ways we become a united and caring church. So here we have the threat of division. Uh, it is dealt with with the appointing of the seven. And the threat of distraction likewise is avoided. The apostles' ministry of the word of God and prayer is ring-fenced and protected. What is the, res the result? 
then of this meeting. Verse 7, growth. Verse 7, so, as a result, the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So the word of God continues to spread as a result of their actions. Uh, and the church experiences two amazing blessings. Firstly, a rapid increase in the number of believers. Every week there is baptismal services for new believers. Church growth goes through the roof. The word there, rapid increase. Secondly, the gospel breaks into new ground, ground which up until this point had been impenetrable. A large number of priests become obedient to the faith. So far in Acts, church growth has been among the lay people, uh, uh, lay Jewish people doing normal, doing normal jobs. They have been the ones who've come on board, whilst the religious establishment up until this point has been very opposed. But now that change, now with the ministry of the Word of God freed up, the gospel breaks into the lives of those in the religious establishment a large number of priests who up until this point had been hardened to the gospel and are now receiving it and receiving salvation. So two amazing blessings, a rapid church growth, that's the, the language that Luke uses, and, and, and breaking new ground where before it had been impenetrable. And again, what are we seeing? That God grows his church by his spirit through the word of God and prayer. What would have happened if uh, the apostles had neglected this issue, what, what if, or if they had uh, just sought and got involved and sort, sorted out this problem themselves? Well, the dispute would have been sorted out. The church would have continued to be a caring and diverse church, but the word of God would have stalled Believers wouldn't have been built up by the gospel in the, in the same way. It wouldn't have broken new ground. And actually, verse 7, this amazing verse, wouldn't have happened. Well, what can we learn uh, from this? I think there's application here um, in a number of ways, a number of areas, church life, family life, and personal life. Firstly, I think this it teaches us that in church life, those who are called to the ministry of the Word of God and prayer mustn't get distracted from it. And as the pastor, I'm one of those who've been called and set aside for the ministry of Word of God and prayer here. And I just want to acknowledge here in front of you, that that is, a, that is a positive experience. I don't find myself being pulled in lots of or too many different directions. Um, and that's because you rightly expect that I should be devoted to the ministry of, Word of God, the ministry of the Word of God and prayer in all of its various forms in the, of, of, of pastoral ministry. Why is that? Because you value the Word. And I just want to acknowledge that. Do please pray for me and pray for the other elders as well, uh, that we would have courage and wisdom, that we would keep the ministry of Word and God, the ministry of the Word of God and prayer as a priority. 
that we would know and have wisdom to know when not to get involved in other good and important things in order to ring fence the ministry of, word of, of the Word of God and prayer. So I think there's lessons here for us in church life. I think there's a lesson here too for us in terms of family life. Um, in particular for mums and dads, but also grandparents um, of children and young people. Uh, because of course, uh, we have got that responsibility and the calling to minister the Word of God and to pray for our children. And I think it would be good for us to pray that we don't get distracted from that calling. You know, when it comes to family life, there are so many good and right things. Uh, taking the kids swimming, helping them with their homework, helping them to learn uh, their musical instrument, taking them to cricket, making sure that they get to see their cousins. The list goes on and on and on. Um, and more important things along that list too. Good, good things. I think an implication of this passage for family life is that we just got to remember that at the very top of that list must be the ministry of praying for and ministering the Word of God to our children. That doesn't mean we need to be Bible experts or have all of the answers. There are so many resources available. And, um, and let's, encourage, um, let's encourage one another in that and keep the conversations going. Uh, keep sharing, uh, those of us who are parents and grandparents too, let's keep sharing what works well, what resources is, is, is working well in your family or how are you doing it in your family so that we're learning from each other in that because the ministry of the Word of God and prayer is so central and so important in our family lives. If, they're going to come to, if, our, if our young people are going to come to faith and grow in the faith, there are, of course there are no guarantees. It is by the grace of God. And yet, we need to prioritize prayer and the ministry of the Word of God to them. So a lesson, I think, for uh, family life. And then thirdly and finally a lesson for personal life, and that is for us uh, to make sure that we don't get distracted from receiving the ministry of the Word of God. I think it's great the way this has worked out that we're looking at this passage on the first Sunday of 2024 with almost the whole year ahead of us. Because as we look ahead into the rest of the year, there are just so many things that we could fill our time doing serving Jesus by doing our job properly and well. That's a good thing, very good thing. Serving the church, serving others, keeping fit, leisure activities, being a good neighbor, being a good son or daughter, keeping the garden tidy, keeping the kitchen clean, really good things, which taken all together have the potential of distracting us from receiving the ministry of the Word of God. So at the beginning of this new year, whatever else you do, will you prioritize feeding on the ministry of God's Word so that you might be built up and strengthened? I don't know what that would look like, particularly in your daily routine or in your weekly routine. Um, I don't know what that would mean for you to say no to so that you can ring fence it. But will you prioritize feeding on God's Word? 
getting distracted from the Word of God by good things. It doesn't look very dangerous. Uh, to call it a threat almost feels like over-egging it. But actually, God grows His church by His Holy Spirit through the ministry of the Word of God and prayer. So we mustn't get distracted from it if we want to grow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who wants us to grow in maturity, who wants more and more people to hear of the Lord Jesus and come to faith in him. We thank you that you are the one who by your Holy Spirit brings growth. We thank you that you have given us your holy word to build us up and strengthen us this word of grace that speaks of who you are and of your salvation to us. We pray, please, that you would help us as a church uh, to keep your word as our priority, to not be distracted from it. And we pray that through this, by your Holy Spirit, you would bless us and strengthen us and grow us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>